Hi, Chad. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I'm Yancy Crozier, and I'm joined by Marty Slaver. Hello, everybody. Who I believe has a sponsorship message he needs to read out for everyone. Why, thank you, Yahtzee. I sure do. Uh, today, Slightly Something Else is sponsored by Figurama Collectors, which has an incredible new Silent Hill 2 statue that'll be available for pre-order very soon. Uh, officially titled the Silent Hill Red Pyramid Thing vs. James Sunderland statue. The statue is based on the original Silent Hill 2 and contains five different characters in beautiful, bloody detail, including James Sunderland, Red Pyramid Thing, Abstract Daddy, Flesh Lip, and Lying Figure. Those are the names we were given. So there you go. Uh, what's cool about this Figurama statue is that for the first time, it's a Silent Hill versus statue that you could take the statue character out of its display. You, so you could swap James with the TV from Silent Hill 2 if you want to make a solo Red Pyramid Things showcase, mesmerize and terrify your friends all at once with this one-fourth scale monument to horror. Pre-orders for the statue begin on February 11th at 11 p.m. JST, and you can go to figurama-collectors.com today to join the waitlist so you'll be notified right away when the pre-orders go live. Figurama statues tend to sell out super fast, as in less than a day, sometimes less than an hour, and once they hit resellers like eBay, you can expect to pay twice as much. So if you want the statue, make sure to sign up on the waitlist now, and for a $35 discount code, courtesy of The Escapist, use the special coupon code TESH2. That's T-E-S-H-2 for $35 off. Well, that sure looked like a lot of fun. You said uh, you're, you have norovirus going around your house, and I feel like the, the things that are happening with your children look pretty spot on to um, what's going on on that statue. What? Well, I haven't covered them in strawberry jam, if that's what you're saying. Well, I feel like you said you fed them banana porridge and then started coming out in all sorts of weird ways, which seems like a very Silent Hill 2 thing to happen. I said honest. I fed them banana porridge and the substance that emerged the other end seemed like it had changed very little fundamentally. Incredible. Anyway. What a time to be alive. Anyway, uh, we actually had a topic besides fucking selling out. We did. So, uh, the topic this week is the video game, fittingly, the video game disasters we couldn't look away from. Yes. Uh, I believe this came because it's the anniversary of Aliens Colonial Marines, am I right in saying yeah. that? Yeah! This week is the 10th anniversary of Aliens uh, Colonial Marines, which is uh, uh, one in a long line of uh, games that uh, received a, a weird dose of hype at the beginning, and then a little bit of what's going on here, and then released to um, pretty much utter disdain. Uh, it's also, we're just in this... About oh, how controversial it was when Aliens Colonial Marines uh, misrepresented itself in a gameplay trailer mm -hmm. and uh, the final game wasn't much like that. Remember when people yeah. actually still complained about shit like that? It was quaint. Yeah. The old days. <laughs> the old days when we got upset about being lied to as opposed to just now where it's just like, well, everyone's lying to us everywhere at every facet of life. So this we just assume happens. that's... We yeah. complain, but they just keep doing it anyway and we like get tired of complaining and then it just becomes normalized yep yeah that sounds about right um did you did you you played aliens clone marines back in the day correct? certainly did yeah so that was uh that was a famous example of i think uh like two or three years before it came out we saw trailers and even like a full gameplay demo at e3 this was a gearbox game this was their like post borderlands game it was supposed to be like the like the next great chapter in the alien saga and the demos looked incredible uh and then when it finally came out several years and several delays later uh it was just not that well quite 
I mean, I remember when I first played it, I remember it was on the PS3, and I remember thinking, this looks like a PS2 game. <laughs> there was a lot of, uh, that whole generation, it seems like there's a, a long line of games that I think the PS3 was just particularly tough to develop for, and so we so ended the, up getting... Yeah, in contrast to the PS2, which had very yeah. third-party support. Yeah, and then even compared to, like, the 360 at the time, which was, a lot of folks just said, like, a glorified PC, so pretty easy to develop for um which is why still like even emulation is tough for a lot of ps3 games and backwards compatibility is a thing that sony still doesn't understand how to do uh but yeah aliens colonial marines was i remember uh when i one of the first games in the industry aside from duke nukem forever that um felt like one of those oh my god this is a train wreck that that we can't look away from i think it's a misguided the alien series to keep trying to turn colonial marines into like some kind of awesome action franchise yeah the whole, the whole premise of the movie aliens was that the colonial marines were there to be the cannon fodder and all get killed for yeah. our amusement so that the, we could appreciate the aliens as a horror villain some more yeah it sounded like uh, which i imagine the story you know underlying a lot of these games is there was an internal push and pull between you know creatives and the people with the money it sounded like sega wanted the game to be like call of duty with a smattering of aliens Whereas uh, uh, Gearbox wanted the game to be a scary alien game with some shooting to it. Um, Aliens and attracts a weird fan base. It really does. For a thing that's as as sort of been as big as it has been since the 80s, it seems like they would have been able to... And for a thing that feels so inherently video gaming, I mean, like, the movie Aliens is, is probably one of the five most influential movies when it comes to video games, just on, on, on how people sort of portray you know grunts and marines and combat and futuristic weapons and combat yeah. scenarios you see it in everything from halo to dead space um and uh it, it just seems weird that they haven't been able to like really nail it it feels like every alien game has some sort of an asterisk like even uh isolation has the asterisk where some people love it and other people are like why was this 25 hours long well it's such a all over the place sort of franchise really which i put yeah. down to the fact that there's no one sort of creative force sort of spearheading aliens, the way George Lucas spearheaded Star Wars. I yeah, mean, even yeah. Even in the first movie, who could be said to have been the owner of Alien as a franchise? Was it Geiger? Was it Ridley Scott? Was it yeah. Dan O'Bannon, the screenwriter, who came up with the idea in the first place? Yeah, and then by the time you get to Aliens, like Cameron takes it yeah, over and completely different you know, Cameron's director, not drawing from any... Completely yeah. different vibe than Alien 3. Again, different director, yeah. different vibe. But never, Alien never had a consistent sort of uh tone to it no no which is i guess maybe why it hasn't been able to really uh work too well in games um maybe. i also i also mentioned uh duke nukem forever also developed by gearbox uh yeah in that same stretch to, yeah but a lot of this sort of shit seems to float around gearbox doesn't it yeah and that was uh i mean i guess that was like a different uh a different story you know a game that's been in development for I was well over a decade. I was in the in the like the inner circle of PC gaming for almost the entire development of Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> it was announced in '97. Yeah, and it didn't come out until when did it come out? 2011, I believe. 2011, <laughs> nigh on 14 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. It became a legend by the end of it. DNF did not finish. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and especially for you. Obviously, you're a huge, you know, original Duke Nukem fan. So the, oh, was yeah, this something yeah. that, like, at first you were optimistic about, and then eventually you were like, "Wait, 
something something smells bad here. Well, not really. I was sort of out of the PC gaming loop for a long time in my 20s because I was living sort of poor and mm. uh, I got into consoles for a while. By the time... Like us poorest. <laughs> by the time I came back around to PC gaming, I was uh, a lot more cynical about these things and Duke Nukem Forever had already been in development for a very long time by then. Mm. I think Half-Life was uh, what I was more into by that point. I was long of yeah. the opinion that whatever... Whatever came out of Junior and Forever would absolutely not be worth the hype, and there was absolutely I mean, no way that uh, something that with the same tone of Junior and 3D could still work in the modern age with the changing of sensibilities and shit. Did I tell you I was uh, approached to write the story for Junior and Forever? Uh, I think you've mentioned it before, but <laughs> what, it, what happened there? It may have come up. I was contacted. Uh, by uh, someone, this was like many years into development, uh, they've got a new director on and they approached me and asked me if I'd do like an audition script for like a, a, a like an intro cutscene or something for Junior Forever. So I wrote them like some dumb fluffy thing in which Junior Forever was having the piss taken out of him the whole time because in my view that was the only way the character worked as a sort yeah. of uh, ironic sort of takedown of that concept of the 1980s muscle man sort of deconstructing uh -huh. it a little bit by uh, showing how obsolete they are in a modern setting. And, yeah, uh, it feels like he has to be that punching bag, yeah. And I heard later a lot of people at the studio were all in favour of getting me on board. But uh, George Bruce had Nick's tick because he was like, no, Duke Nukem's a serious guy. <laughs> Everyone has to take him seriously because he's a big, fat, badass he is. See, that's like a real sliding doors moment. Everything could have been different if they just would have went with your idea. And there's something weirdly bleak about Duke Nukem Forever once you play it because it's you enter this scenario in which Duke Nukem is like this king of the world that everyone loves and he's living in a absolute luxury and everybody loves him. And uh, it's like, you know, it, it feels like you're trapped in someone's fantasy world or something yeah it's also like you mentioned like if a game if it started development in 97 and didn't come out to 2011 that means when it went in development half-life wasn't out yet and then throughout oh, development oh, halo came out and call of duty came out and half-life 2 came out and modern warfare came out and so by that point it's like you were in like a 15-year coma and then you wake up and you're like no no no, i got it i, I remember what shooters were like and it's like well shooters aren't like that anymore that was why it was taking so long. Every time a new big thing came out, they were chasing. They decided to chase the trends. And if you played Duke Forever now, you can almost—it's almost like cutting a tree down and counting the rings. You can see the different eras of first-person shooters that it was yeah, influenced yeah. by along the course of production. Yeah, the, the thing I think about a lot of these disasters and a lot of the ones we'll mention is that at the time they were kind of met with like vitriol and disdain, whereas now a lot of these I look back on with kind of fascination. Like, I think you can learn just as much from a massive failure in hindsight as you can from a massive success. If not more. Uh, if not more, yeah. Who was, yeah. It, who was it who said the best advice to learn how to write is to read bad books? Was it, was it you? Are you setting me up for like a you quote? I think it might have been Alan Moore who said that. Oh, I, I legitimately thought this was, you were like, no. I said that, I wrote about no. it. No, 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 <laughs> Um. I have a, I have a, I have a bunch written down. If you wanna, if you wanna go through some disasters with me. Um, uh, okay, let's uh, go through. I've got sort of a, a general 
permanent like omni disaster that is always a disaster whenever it comes up but let's well, go to specific I wanna, ones okay uh we thought we, we probably don't need to go over it uh, uh too much but the earliest one et um, um <laughs> considered a disaster that almost killed video games in the west uh uh you know were it not for sort of nintendo coming back with uh yeah uh a force in the nes yeah, and well, a lot of people blame E.T. for that, but uh, mm. really it was down to the market being flooded with lots of knockoff similar games yeah, and uh, a general sense uh, of uh, customer dissatisfaction uh, of uh, not wanting to pay overpriced costs for a lot of knockoff garbage. E.T. was just sort of the crown at the end of it all. Yeah. Big old bellend on the end of the massive great dick. The big old Bellin. Uh yeah, and obviously it has the infamous story, whether it's real or not, about the the millions of copies being dumped into a landfill that's, in Nevada. That is, or, that is true. They dug that them is up. True. They that's that's so sad. Is there something else you can do with those? Can you just like rewrite them or something like VHS tapes? You probably can't do that. That's well, it reaches the point where it almost costs more to dispose of than it does to to actually manage to sell them. Yeah, that 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 is a, that is a pretty good point. Um, uh, I had two in the '90s. I have two console ones that I think are interesting Ooh, because a take, lot of times. Can I take a wild guess? You can take a wild guess at what the two of them are. Virtual Boy and Sega Saturn. It is the Virtual Boy and the Sega Saturn. <laughs> yes. Hey, it's almost like I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> uh, the Virtual. The interesting thing about the Virtual Boy, which, like the Wii U, felt like it was Nintendo just a little bit uh, getting a little bit ahead of itself, even though the Virtual Boy was pretty bad. The story I got told was that it was a sort of like experiment by like a side team that, and but um, because they needed something to push for like Christmas, they decided to run with it as the next big thing. Yeah, why, yeah. why it got a huge blowback because it was. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Virtual Boy, it was uh, sort of an early attempt at VR, except mm -hmm. VR with no head tracking, so you just had to mount it to a table and sit still the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and, and everything uh, was red. Everything was red. Yeah, so functionally, it was just like gaming normally, but with your head really, really close to mm -hmm. a broken TV. Yeah, so your your neck would hurt, and then yeah. uh, because of the red and just because of the visual fidelity, your eyes would hurt after a little bit, and yeah. uh, it was just all very bad. And it's interesting because this, um, like you mentioned, it was Nintendo trying to fill a space in that holiday season because the Nintendo 64 was delayed, and because uh, Sony was getting ready to launch the PS1, which oh. leads us into our second the disaster PS, of... The PS1 was like, you know, the quantum leap that destroyed the old industry. It, it absolutely did, yeah, with, uh, uh, you know, and, and it had people abandoning ship from Nintendo, like Square, being like, okay, the, yeah. you went with cartridges, and that was a massive mistake, and we're going to show you why. I mean, Sony were the newcomer. Yeah. They were, they were entirely new to consoles when the PlayStation came out. They were competing mm -hmm. with, you know, old hands that have been with the industry for decades. Nintendo, Sega, yeah. Commodore, remember them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we had the weirdos like the the Philips CDI yeah, and the, the Atari, Atari Jaguar, Atari and the Jaguar. Lynx. Yeah, someone mentioned yeah. that the Atari Jaguar with its with its controller that had like a pocket calculator built into it. <clears throat> very weird, very, very weird. weird indeed. Um, 
And uh, yeah, the, Sony Sony launching the PS1 is also what caused uh, Sega and the Saturn to completely stumble because um, we were talking before we went live about Hi-Fi Rush and about how it you know was able to do the surprise launch and it's available now thing. Um, but at e so so in early 1995, Sega said the Saturn is going to be available in September 1995 in the U.S. and everyone's like, great. And at the very first E3 in May, uh, they got on stage and they they wanted to beat. Uh, Sony to market and so they said it's available now at the cost of $400 and $400 in 1995 was a a lot of money and B everyone was like stores were even like we we don't have it like what do you mean it's available yeah. now this is like we need a runway to do these kind of things because you have to remember this was before uh the heyday of online shopping Oh, this was entirely brick and mortar. This was people going into into stores like Walmart and and you know Babbage's and EB Games and all that stuff. But, but because of this, Walmart dropped them, and Walmart was yeah. You need the Walmart. Uh, you need to be on shelves in Walmart to make a profit. Yeah, that was time. a kingmaker. Yeah, because that was where all the shitheads bought stuff. That was me. I was a shithead. I was there a shithead who brought stuff at Walmart. Shitheads like me. Uh, and then also, uh, so they, they announced it at $400, and then Sony got on stage later that E3 for PS1 and just said $299. And yeah. so they just yeah. like went up with a mic drop and, and beat them by $100, and like that was it. That See, was my, kind my, of the end of Sega. My theory was the gaming itself was changing because this was during the transition from 2D to 3D graphics. Mm -hmm. And all the, like, the old hands were sort of weighed down by the baggage of the last 20 years of established ways of developing games. And because Sony yep. were the new boys, they were, they were the fresh, hot thing. Also didn't hurt that they had a, like, a new approach to marketing. They were presenting video games as something for the cool kids to do. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Which not, uh, not just the dirty shut-ins, not just the not just the Walmart shitheads like me. Yeah. Um, the last one of the '90s I had written down um, was uh, Shenmue, and that was more okay. of the sort of the concept of Shenmue, which was um, supposed to launch in 1999 on the Dreamcast, and this was Sega's. At this point, this was sort of Sega's like last gasp hail mary. Mm -hmm. Like, if this doesn't work we're probably going to get out of the console business. And they did afterwards. Um, and it was the most expensive game of all time at $50 million, which in 1999 was insane for a game. Yeah, uh, and it was use, supposed to be like... Maybe they'd use some of that money to hire someone to tell them if it was fun or not. Yeah, because it turns out it was not. Uh, it, it absolutely was not fun. And it was one of those games where they're like, this is the first chapter of a 15-chapter saga, which is, don't ever yeah, do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Just make one good it, thing. The funny it, thing about Shenmue is you can see its DNA in much more successful franchises now, like um, Yakuza. Yeah. Yakuza is ostensibly Shenmue, but good. Basically, yeah. Yeah. They were pioneering open world gameplay, but uh, sort of sort of coalesced that in their head with realism. Like they're, Yeah. They had, they had to create a real town that felt real and you could do real things, like pick yeah. up stuff. Pick up stuff and turn them around in your hands, which in the early yeah, days of 3D yeah. gaming uh, probably blew some people's minds, but uh, kind of fell flat after a few years. And it was exciting for me as like a, as a, a burgeoning weeb in Wisconsin. 
who spent a lot of time at Walmarts, being able to explore Japan was exciting um, until I realized that everything's boring. Why is everything boring? Why can't we do something fun? This is uh, why it's important to focus on a primary gameplay loop. I thought what everything can't be the primary gameplay loop. No, that's I always no. like that. The, the the grand sweeping promises. You can do anything. No, you can't. Well, that's nothing's I, fun if you could do everything. That Marty Sleever is exactly the thing I wanted to bring up. The exactly. recurring disaster of video games is you can do anything. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Shenmue was just the start. If you yeah. go on YouTube and search for videos about Kickstarter drama, half oh, yeah. the video game projects that end up mired in Kickstarter drama are you can do anything projects. Mm -hmm. From fucking what's that one? I was re I was watching a video the other day, Dream World, I think they called it. Oh, this they is were, a metaverse. Something like that. They were promising that this would this game was going to be the end of video games. You would only need this video game forever. Because it would, because they would claim they were going to have a universe where millions of people could be in the same server, literal millions. That's what they said, and you could create any kind of game with any theme. They'd just it'd be like uh, the whatever it's called in Ready Player One. Oh yeah, and the people who were going to do this, and the people who were going to do this were two guys. One dude who'd worked as an intern at Google for like six months, and one dude who'd invented a Bluetooth speaker you could strap to your chest. Yeah. Who needs Miyamoto when you got those guys? Classic tech bro shit, really. Does that happen in any other artistic medium? Is anyone ever like, this is it? This is the last novel anyone will ever need? Or like, I've done it. I've made the music that's all music. Like, that's not a thing, right? Like, It's, it's what people who uh, don't know much about video games do when they want to get into video games. Yeah, it does seem like a very like blue sky tech thing right like what's a, that a other complete one? bullshit thing what's that other one there's because every every like uh every other one is like uh fantasy mmo where you can do anything and take any job and it's a player-driven economy and a player-driven society and player-driven politics what's that one that started with e everything Eternum, something like that ever no, well there's there's this game everything that's by one of the creators of grant leslie benzies one of the creators of grand theft auto the modern grand theft auto games is making a game that's called everything that's supposed to be both do anything you want in the real world like grand theft auto as well as there is a metaverse inside of the game that you can do anything in and let me tell you i don't think that's gonna be very good no it's not eve online chad it's not everquest um there's, there's, if you look online, there's been some videos about it. Yeah, yeah. But someone mentioned earlier, we have, we're like, we get that a lot with like these, like uh, uh, No Man's Sky. Even felt like that at launch, where it's like, mm. this is it. This is pure exploration. You can go wherever you want. And then um, we're seeing yeah. that with Star Citizen, which somehow still isn't out, but keeps making money. Which the whole I don't concept, understand. the whole concept of do anything you want is like fundamentally flawed because obviously you can't do everything you want. You couldn't, yeah. uh, you know, turn into a a ferret and uh, open a tap dancing school that would be incredible because you need to have some kind of core gameplay loop to focus on those are the games that succeed that start with a really interesting core gameplay loop like for example something like hi-fi rush that comes out mm -hmm. and says here's the core gameplay loop it's instantly appealing and uh, it's very high quality yep bam go get it i don't now. know how, how do how do people not understand this yet like how how is this still a thing that we're dealing with well like i say like i say it happens when people who don't know much about video game development decide they're gonna make a video game 
Yeah. And then there's the zombie, the do anything zombie survival world. Chronicles of Illyria, that's the game I was thinking of. Thank you, Jellyfish Trifle. Okay. The zombie survival is, has its own like subgenre of failed Kickstarter projects that claim you can do anything. Although every now and again, something along those lines comes out and does pretty well, like Project Zomboid. Oh, I didn't realize that was a crowdfunded thing. I don't know if it was crowdfunded. Oh, but, but it's uh, of the same ilk. Yeah, yeah of, gotcha. Yeah. Do anything, etc. Yeah. Although in that case, Project um, Zomboid does actually have a core gameplay loop. You, uh, you survive, funnily enough. That's the thing. It seems like with Kickstarter, like the things that have come out and actually been like, oh, this is pretty good. This is like what I thought it would be, are things that have a very clear and relatively simple mission statement, like Shovel Knight or or the Double Find Adventure game, you know, Broken Age or, you know, even it wasn't good, but like Mighty Number no. 9 at least knew what it was when it was coming out. Um, you know, and Bloodstained, obviously. Like these are games that like, it's very simple. Like they're like, we want to make, remember this thing you used to like, we want to make yeah. a new version of that. Um, yeah. And and whether it's good or not is is one thing, but like, it seems very attainable compared to, we just need $200,000 and we can make the forever game. Core gameplay loop, I'm telling you. Seems, just, seems like it should be simple. Just a premise that is fun on like the second by second experience. Yeah. Not, not uh, like something that's all you know, hoity-toity, oh, perhaps you could get elected by other players as the Pope in our yeah. magic game. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, uh, lofty promises, there's there's two PC games that come to mind, or at least two PC creators. Uh, one, I know you know quite a lot about uh, Daikatana. Oh, yes. Yes, I remember <laughs> how quaint it seems now that it felt like Daikatana was taking really long to make back in the yeah. day because it took something like four years. Yeah, which, 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 is, which is about average now. Yeah. I mean, uh, at the time before, Junior Can Forever set the standard, of course. Daikatana was like the uh, the joke project that's never going to come out. And then yeah. it finally did come out, and it was bloody awful. Yeah, and that was, um, you know, we have a couple, like even Shenmue and Yu Suzuki, like Yu Suzuki just made hit after hit after hit for Sega in the arcades from... Uh, like, uh, you know, After Run and Space Harrier and Virtual Fighter. And so he was like their golden goose. And so Famous. they're like, do whatever you want. And that's kind of where John Romero was, right? After Doom. Yeah. Yu Suzuki's a weird one. Famously doesn't play video games himself, but has like invented. And this sort of gives him a fresh perspective that makes him really good at designing new concepts, except in yeah. certain cases. Yeah. And like, you know, the like Virtual Fighter was like ostensibly the first 3D fighter. So definitely yeah. ahead of its time in, in yes. terms of that. Daikatana was John Romero's baby. John Romero, famously of id Software, who mm -hmm. was one of the developers on Doom, alongside John Carmack and all the rest. And my my feeling is that John Carmack and John Romero kind of needed each other. John yeah, Carmack was like the world's greatest engine programmer, and mm -hmm. John Romero was all about blue sky thinking and weird, weird fantastical concepts. Yeah. Uh, so he he had all the imagination. He's where all the imagination that went into Doom and Quake came from. John yeah. Carmack was just really good at engines. So when they split up, John Carmack made incredibly dry, boring games like Quake 2. And John Romero had this incredibly ambitious blue sky project like Daikatana, which was going to be set over four time periods, each one with unique weapons and unique monsters. And uh, it was all going to be made in the Quake engine, and it was going to have full cinematic narrative, which was a rare thing in games back then. Yeah. And uh, in the end, it was just kind of stupid. It also didn't help that wasn't the the marketing famously John Romero is going to make you his bitch. 
Yeah, they came across as a little bit overconfident. Yeah, I think really, John Romero generally came across as severely overconfident. Because I feel like there's only like four games ever made where I'd be fine if, uh, like, after I played it, I'm like, yeah, you can call me a bitch. That's fine. That game was really good. Like Breath of the Wild. If you want to call me a bitch, that's fine. Shigeru Miyamoto wouldn't make you his bitch. He's too nice. (laughs) We'd go on a walk and explore the caves behind his childhood home. I think John Romero uh, was either letting people inflate his ego too much or letting himself inflate his own ego too much. Yeah, and I I think you hit the nail on the head with you need the yin and yang there, like the the Jobs and Wozniak kind of thing. Like you need those. The Lennon. Although eventually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Perfectly said. Um, The other creator uh, (laughs) who often does this, uh, Peter Molyneux. Oh, Um, boy. Peter Molyneux ruled the roost back in the days when video games had limitations. Really? Yeah, right? When he was given parameters to work within, he created some of the greatest games of all time. Populous, Mm -hmm. Syndicate, Theme Park, The Dungeon Keeper. Some really incredibly innovative stuff black and white was sort of like on the verge of where it was getting silly with him that was when that was when he went insane but when he was suddenly able to do anything uh he fell into the trap of promising the game that can do everything and he did have a tendency to over promise yeah and that's one of my favorite um curiosity do you remember curiosity what's inside the cube i vaguely remember that yes so um he had this game, Curiosity, and it was a game where you were tapping a cube and everyone who played was tapping on the same cube and every tap would break a little piece of the cube. And the whole idea was what's in the middle of this cube. And you could pay money to have your taps be stronger. So you'd have like platinum taps, which would break 50 cubes at a time. And the promise was whoever breaks the final cube and gets to the center will get that prize and they are allowed to share it if they want. They could tell the world what it is or they could keep it secret forever. And the prize was you are the god of their next game, which was called Goddess. And, and you, that person would be the god. They would dictate the rules and they would have a profit share in the game. Goddess came out and was a disaster <laughs> and a bunch of people quit, including the point of contact with the person who won. Whoops. The, the curiosity cube. And so that guy just couldn't get in contact with them. And so the god of that world was like, hey, Peter Molyneux, where are you? I'm supposed to be the god of this world. But they had like fired the guy who was in contact with him, which I find very funny. Well, that's quite an interesting idea on paper. It is. He's yeah. reinvented past the parcel for the internet age. Yeah, yeah. it really has, yeah. Do you have past the parcel in this country? I was talking about past the parcel to my wife the other day, and she didn't know what the hell it was. Uh, we don't have it. I know it from a book. It was in a book, and I had to read okay. it, or I had to look it up. Uh, what it what it actually was. Past the parcel. It seems to be the equiv- the what British children's parties did instead of pinatas. Yeah, we had pinatas growing up. We had past the parcel. You'd have a present that was wrapped like fifteen times. And you'd have the kids all sit in a circle, and they'd mm-hmm. pass the parcel around the circle while music played. And when the music stopped, whoever was holding the parcel got to take a layer of wrapping off. And the na- and whoever took the last layer off got to keep the present. So, of course, this I mean, was obvi- this that's was probably obvi- a British thing. And Maloney is British, right? So that would make sense why he yeah. probably well, made Well, like in that. my experience, it was tended to be a children's party drama creator. Because you'd yeah. always have that kid who'd hold on to it just a little bit too long. Or you'd have the situation where the music stopped when both kids still had their hands on the fucking thing. Yeah. See, that's why you need pinatas and just beating the shit out of a thing until it dies and fills yeah, up all of its As long candy. as you can focus their aggression on something other than fellow party members. 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, I've got another thing to I bring st- up, but I noticed it mentioned in the super chats, so maybe we'll oh, okay. get to it in the super chats. Yeah, I had a couple. Um, I had a couple. The one, one other disaster I want to remember from it was right when I actually started in the games industry in 2011. Do you remember the PlayStation Network hack in 2011? Uh, I don't know not, if you're really playing a ton of PlayStation then. Wouldn't have really bothered you if you didn't. Not the hack specifically. Do tell. So in April 2011, uh, someone hacked PSN, and uh, it got got hold of like 80 million people's info and everything. Sony went dark and just wasn't addressing it for a while. And then when they finally addressed it after a few days, they just shut off PSN for a month, which meant for a month you couldn't download games, you couldn't play games online. If there were any like games that required an online ping at the time, those were unplayable. And it was for literally, it was like 25 days. It was off. And which was like, it's just kind of insane now to think of like, you can't play your PlayStation ostensibly for 25 days because Sony's trying to figure out like what the hell happened with this hack. Man, um, pe- people and so, die in this day. People age. die. People would literally die. Yeah. They're going to get their, their sweet, sweet achievements and trophies. Um, but yeah, that was one I remember. Yeah. I have a couple other ones. And like you said, I, I, I saw people mention them in the chat. So, um, okay. So let's go through the super chats and then we can bring them up when they come up. Hell yeah. Well, uh, I've sort of lost the first ones, so I hope you've got them. Uh, I've uh, the first one was uh, Max Ko with five dollars, no message, just five dollars, which we appreciate, Max. Uh, Gary Davies, a new member uh, for uh, with a five pound donation, said the Stadia, which is a shame because I really liked it. Streaming quality far superior than Xbox Cloud. Oh well, my refund from them can fund you. I mean, that's okay. one nice thing is that like. Everyone got their money back from Stadia, so that's like I wouldn't a plus. call it a disaster. It when it uh, was running for a while, it wasn't like a, just brought it out and everyone shat on it immediately, sort of affair. And, and you know, Nick, uh, the world's number one Stadia fan, as we all know, Nick Landra uh, is Halo, uh, Stadia, and Death Stranding. That's his. That's that's his triumvirate. Hey, one of those is still alive, so that's good. <laughs> um, uh, you said, like, for him, I mean, he has fiber internet and everything, but he said Stadia worked great. Um, so Yeah, I guess it worked fine for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's... W- w- this might be a thing where, like, a decade from now, if, you know, xCloud and all that shit, and, like, if this becomes the way people are playing games, then we'd look back and be like, man, Stadia was just a little bit ahead of the time. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay. Uh, or, or we won't. Um, now I'm at uh, Daniel TH, who's just joined Early Access. Thank you so much, Daniel TH. Uh, Sky Captain joined early access or resubbed in early access. The zero revenue of DNF was close to the Deadpool game. Um, oh, as in like by the end of uh, oh the zero rev. Was, do you think that was revenue or review? The zero rev of DNF was close. To I the... don't know. Well, there you go. Did you play the Deadpool game? I did. I reviewed it a while back. Oh. Did you like it? I thought it was all right. I wouldn't say there it blew my mind. If you're sure, you if you like Deadpool as a character, you'd uh, be all over it. To be honest, I'm kind of tired of Deadpool. Well, enough Deadpool, you know, Harley Quinn syndrome. I think that's. I honestly, I think that's what it is. 
overexposure. Uh, Dogmatic Director uh, resubbed in bonus content. A lot of Duke Nukem's uh, Forever's development could be summed up with the phrase, God damn it, George. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I do. I yeah. still want to know this sliding doors moment of you you being able to get your thumbprint on that game. What would happen? Oh, no. It's probably the same thing as what happened with Watch Dogs Legion. I.e. <laughs> not that much. There you go. Uh, and, and jump in whenever I get to where you are. Daniel TH, uh, with a $2 donation. My favorite disaster, Sonic 06. Ah, uh, yes. Good womp, old womp. Sonic 06. Yeah. Um, but then weird. Sonic, uh, I think one of the death knells of the Saturn was that they never were able to finish that Sonic game they were making for it, which was going to be the first 3D Sonic game. Yeah. But, uh, what was it called? Sonic something not forever it was sonic sonic r or r was the racing game I that think. doesn't no that doesn't feel right someone will know yeah yeah but so yeah sonic pervert in chat will know yeah so the first video sonic game ended up being sonic adventure which was kind of shitty although some people liked it yeah 3d yeah. 3d graphics and sonic never really got on it's like castlevania 3d ones <laughs> never really worked hey, sonic frontiers though our favorite game of 2022 it was all right our, our, let's not, our let's not most alright game of <laughs> our most alright game of 2022 and then uh, Daniel TH with another $2 said would y'all consider cyberpunk to be a disaster uh, uh, a salvageable one perhaps yeah is that one of the problems is that we're just so used to these now that it's like well no because the game's fine now and you can play it and like yeah it was bad and you put egg on their face but like I don't know. Have we just become like immune to this kind of stuff? I don't know. If you called every game that needed another six months in the oven a disaster, then that's uh, every game. That'd be yeah, that'd be most of them, I think. That's every game. Um what do we got next? Uh Wesley Thomas with five Canadian dollars. What is gaming's equivalent to Atlanta Knights? Uh, Atlanta Knights was a book written entirely to take the piss out of vanity publishing and was deliberately bad. Are there like purposefully bad games? Um well, if you go on like Newgrounds and stuff, uh, or just browser game sites generally, you could probably find a few things that someone farted out. See, the trouble is, video games take a lot of effort to make. And, yeah. Uh, a lot of people really, really can't sustain the energy uh, for that kind of piss take. Yeah, is that... Um, uh, oh, also the Cancel Saturn game was Sonic Extreme. Thank there you, you um would that be like i mean there's like the games that like push back at how you control them like the like bennett foddy's games like quap and yeah. getting over it well like, getting over it's much more uh less so much a piss take as a sort of you know philosophical challenge sort of yeah uh, uh reverie let's say yeah yeah um and then why does the chats keep scrolling off you're gonna have to read them out oh no SVS guru five euros uh would outright scams like star citizen count as disasters i don't know what that is yet i'm so confused about star citizen well it's another case of you can do anything isn't it but in space though yeah so you should focus on something like delivering crates that's something to focus on Ooh, i like it uh Django with five dollars played the virtual boy before the water world game and boy was it a wild concept also it may have made my eyes worse yeah i think it, it might be responsible for like an entire hundreds if not thousands of people needing glasses which good for them i guess hmm. uh for, Ash for, me was, for me it was staring oh. at the sun for too long because i was uh, a dumb well, i was a dumb child okay. 
I was going to ask why you did that. And you just, yeah, you see, you should have spent your time inside of Walmart. Then well, if, you, uh, if, no you kept, if you kept staring, it eventually it turned a funny color. Which, uh, in yeah, retrospect, that, that was that was my eyes dying. That was your eyes saying, you're never going to see this color again. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Ash with a two-pound dono. What's worse, no story or a bad story in a game? A bad story is way worse than no story. No, no, no. A bad story you can take the piss out of. It's fun. I just mean, like, Tetris doesn't have a story, and I would rather have that, right? Oh, okay. like, oh I suppose. All right. Like, well, a bad story is no. still better than a mediocre story. Or a I would agree with that. Story. Yes. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, if you're going to fail, just swing hard. Don't Don't just, like bunt of failure like grand slam that failure uh tune in for forespoken zp coming this week <laughs> uh and tobias uh thank you so much for resubbing uh using the cool kids club message to say i loved watching marty and casey play metal gear solid and can't wait to see them go through half-life you guys gotta uh play black mesa after half-life one we started with the original everything's fine i still PC say you've got to do opposing force fuck <laughs> uh is that short it's about half the length of the original. Okay, half a half-life. It's a quarter-life. There you um, go. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, Casey's really enjoying it. That game, uh, really good. I mean, I I, this isn't like a hot take or yeah. anything. Well it, good. well, it didn't pioneer a new era of narrative PC gaming for nothing, man. Morink75 <laughs> uh, with 10 Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. Oh, hey, I'm on TV again. Congrats, Morink. I'm proud of you. Okay, I think uh, we're finally at where I'm at. Right, John Connor? Uh, oh, no, we're not. Do John Connor. John Connor, uh, rejoin tip jar. Thank you so much. Seems anything with hype is bound to fail harder. Should there be a one-year deadline now to start hype before release? I mean, well, you I could be like, you'd just never be hyped. Well, I don't know how you're going to enforce that. Um, you know, the whole Hi-Fi Rush thing really illustrates that publishers know what the, most of the, what they're producing is bland swill. Because yeah. they know when they have something that's good. Because yep. they didn't hype it. They said they yep. know when they've got something that's instantly appealing and high quality. Yeah. But they know exactly how to how to release it. They're just like, hey, here it is. No hype. Play it. It's great. It speaks for itself. I'm trying to imagine a world where Hi-Fi Rush had to go through a year of weird preview cycles and explaining what it is and being like, what games were you inspired by? It didn't. Um, that, the point is, it didn't need that, and the publishers know damn well when a game doesn't need it, yep. which is why I now know how aware they are of the absolute shit they mostly produce. Yep. There you go. All um, right. Long Dong Silver. Yes? Next one's uh, Long Dong Silver. We'll, we'll say yes, I'm already lost. Uh, yes, Long Gone Silver, perfect. Okay, $5 says, Patreon lets creators offer annual memberships with optional discounted rates. The Escapist definitely qualifies for it. Would you guys offer that? Well, that's a question Nick. for Nick, I guess. Nick, if you're in chat, can we do annual Patreons? And Dave McGuckin gives 10 Canadian dollars, says, never get to tune in live, so I wanted to say thanks for all the great work and entertainment. Also great, the promises made by Shen Mu were utterly ridiculous. Yep. Well, at least they actually produce a game in the end. It's better than all these Kickstarter disasters you hear about now. That is true. Yeah, so so good on them. And Nick responded, the option isn't available to us yet, apparently. Oh, I see. You need like you need oh. to be a trusted Certain. or something. Yeah, maybe you have to have been doing it for a year or something. All right. John Connor gives five CAD and says, do you think Hi-Fi... Ooh, funnily enough, he asked, do you think Hi-Fi Rush would have hit <laughs> as hard if it had been hyped for three or four years? No, no. it would not, John Connor. Thanks for, the, yeah. thanks for the money. Yep. There are plenty of games we talk about where by the time it comes out, we're like, we are sick of seeing this game. Just fucking put it out and, and let us play it. 
pretty much. The dogmatic director gives two dollars and says, hang on, focus on the primary gameplay loop. That is exactly that my philosophy, the dogmatic those director. Are really good, those are really good claps. Captain Loin gives 10 US dollars, says a smaller disaster, but SOE's EverQuest 2 launch was notable for splitting the EverQuest player base in half right as WoW came out and building itself around single-core CPUs that will never exist. Well, EverQuest yeah. was a very old hand, wasn't it? That was like like the next big MMO after Ultima Online, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was that was like the first big MMO I was aware of because I, I wasn't really into PC gaming with Ultima Online. And, and then it seems like WoW came out, and like you said, EverQuest 2 sort of shat the bed, and, and WoW just took the ball and ran with it. Yeah, and WoW sort of shacked up in that little nest for the rest of time yes fill my ass up gives 50 uh norwegian chrono and says aren't we in the process of another disaster with the live service a game is announced to be won then delayed due to backlash over it this is what i wanted to bring up fill my ass up and it's fitting that this came right after the mention of wow because this is history repeating itself mm -hmm. remember when wow was really successful and everyone decided they were going to make an mmo yeah. They were going to make a Star Wars MMO, there was going to be a Star Trek MMO, there was going to be a Stargate MMO, and who knows what the fuck happened to that, but it was announced. Mm -hmm. uh, and keep they... bringing up that Pirates of the Caribbean MMO that apparently existed. Yeah, Age of Conan. One, yeah, by one, they, one by one they were announced, and one by one they died. Because it turns out, when your business model is getting players to devote all of their time to it, they, you, there's only so many of those games that can exist in that market space. Yeah. Because it turns out there's a finite amount of time in the universe. Funny that. Mm -hmm. You're trying to lure audiences away from something they've been playing for like years and like gotten sunken into and gotten invested in. And that's why nothing was able to unseat World of Warcraft. To this day, I would argue. Yeah, I think it seems like Final Fantasy XIV is the thing that's come closest, or at least... And that oh, has okay. the like um, Cinderella story of coming back from a disastrous launch yeah. and, and coming and also, back. Also, it's born. got deep pockets that can weather a few storms. Yes, very so, much. So, yeah, live services, and we're now in the all the MMOs are dying phase of the live service phase of gaming. So we can look forward to more shit like Hi-Fi Rush, when gaming enters a new experimental phase, trying to produce things people actually genuinely want, not just stuff that will make them the most money that they try to convince us that we want i would love that it's it's bound to happen especially Sounds now great. that everyone sees the response hi-fi rush got mm -hmm. considering development times these days it might take a while yeah <clears throat> back in nam gives 4.99 us dollars and says no man's sky being the poster child for you can do anything disaster except it sort of fixed itself over time Back yeah, that's now. the thing. A lot of these games that like launched in bad states, like Warframe became a really great game and Rainbow Six Siege became a really popular game. Yeah, the stuff that uh, never came out, just crashed and burned instantly. Yeah. Would be the poster child for me. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think we messed one that didn't come up. Sinstar uh, rejoined on Early Access and said, Duke Nukem Forever taught me not to pre-order. That's great. Do not pre-order. Never pre-order. Some people pre-ordered it way back in 97, apparently. I don't know if you they, think that they would have held onto the receipt. If they would have, that would have actually been a good deal, right? Because you're, oh no, it would have been more expensive if you paid like $50 in 97 as opposed to $50 in 
2011. Yeah, probably. That's not good. Uh, Long Dong Silver gives $5 and says, I worked at a GameStop when that PSN hack was happening. Tons of people traded in their PS3s to purchase Xbox 360s. Ouch, Long Dong yeah. Silver. Yeah, the That's, 360 uh, was already sort of the, the winner of that generation. Yeah, especially when it came to online stuff. So, like, if people couldn't play Modern Warfare or whatever with their friends, it was like, well, fuck that. I'll just go over here and do this one. Who do you think's the, like, the winner of the current console generation? It's weird because Switch uh, is is the highest number, but it just feels like that's like a completely different thing. Like, yeah, I feel like the traditional console was sort of a thing of the past. It feels like the consoles are all serving different markets now. Xbox yeah. is basically just PC gaming. Switch yeah, is its own like, thing. And Sony yeah. is like really the only game in town when it comes to the traditional console experience. Yeah, and like sales-wise, you know, the, the PS4 sold gangbusters and the PS5 is continuing to sell gangbusters. So um, I, I, I think all three are in a very healthy space, which is good because competition is good. Well, we say that, but they're not really competing with each other, is my point. But you can say, yeah, that is true. Like the like you said, the, the Xbox is a yeah. mini PC with a Game Pass machine. Yeah. A lack of competition can be very bad for the consumer. That's probably why we've got mm -hmm. all this live service bollocks now. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, also, big update from Nick already. This is like happening, just happening live. So Annual payments are now set up on Patreon, and you can save 7% on any tier if you go annual. Look at that. Holy Nick shit. getting shit done. Sweet this is incredible. Wheels. Getting the grease yeah. in real well time. Done, Nick. Uh, he certainly is a very greasy fellow, that Nick. Oh, Nick. <laughs> not just kidding, Please. Nick. We, we all love you very much. Back in Nam gives 499. And says, would you say that the more memorable disasters in gaming history resulted from terrible games or the drama happening behind the scenes? Well, as I've said in my uh, extra punctuation about bad games, so often the drama surrounding these things is about the creators more than the products. Mm -hmm. Because it's a fascinating story. We like to hear uh, stories about these human disaster areas yeah. who somehow have the ability to get these things made, but have the absolute lack of self-awareness that can produce something like uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. <laughs> They're just fascinating people to watch, I suppose, in yeah, a car absolutely. crash kind of way. Uh, Pirate Cap'n Jack gives $5 and says, What about overambitious disasters such as the Final Fantasy killer The Legend of Dragoon? One game in the franchise disappeared, save cult following. I've never even heard of it. Pirate yeah, that was Jack, a, which I guess that was a first party PS1 uh, RPG that was supposed to be the Final Fantasy VII killer, and it was not. Um, okay. I think you just shouldn't say that. Don't make a game like don't make a game like Haze. Yeah. Be like Haze is the Halo killer, and it's like no, it's no, it's yeah, not. Don't don't say you're gonna do that because yeah, it's sort of rooting your game in negativity right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Why would people want to see Halo die? People like Halo. Yeah, reminds me when we used to say Doom clone. It's true. It's funny, I'm start calling says, all shooters still Doom clones. It's funny, nobody said Doom Killer. 
I remember some games trying to sell themselves as quake killers. I don't remember any doom killers. Yeah, wasn't Unreal supposed to be the quake killer? I think Unreal was like the most uh, notable quake killer. The game itself didn't really get as high a profile, but the engine, who blow oh, yeah. The engine and I, was a like a powerhouse to this day. I have no memories of like the Unreal campaign. I played so much Unreal tournament, but I have no memories of the Unreal campaign. Which is funny because it was very, it was pioneering in a lot of ways. It was the first uh, first person shooter campaign to embrace like big open environments before Halo. Did. Yeah, yeah, it came out. I think the same year as Half Life did the original. Was it ninety eight? Yeah. Well, of course, Half Life basically it's killed lunch. everything in its path. Yeah. It killed Sin as well, and it yeah. killed Blood Two: The Chosen. Although that oh was, no, not Blood Two. <laughs> that one already had the gun to its head. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, Half Life rewrote the rules. Mm -hmm. Benjamin Cook gave two pounds and says the cancelled Saturn Sonic game was Sonic Extreme. Ah, yes, thank you. Uh, notably, Extreme with the first E taken off. That's which very was a thing at the time. Yeah. People loved that X on the front of things. Chris Rakowski gives two pounds and says, would Elite Dangerous be a do-anything game? That's more of a go-anywhere game. Yeah. You, you can do three things. You can transport cargo, you can shoot pirates, and you can scan star systems. And that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah, you could do it at a grand scale, but it's still not telling you, like... You can go to this planet and build a home and have a wife and become yeah. a become a soothsayer. Like that's, who, it's not trying to promise. Who the fuck wants to have a wife in their games? Seriously. Oh, I only want a wife if you stick a U at the end of that. Yeah, that waifu. Yeah, I saw that coming. But I'd say that waifu is sort of its own specific thing. It is very specific. Donald Nabbity, member for nineteen months in Tip Jar. Thanks for tip jarring. And Andrew White Winter, member for fourteen months in Tip Jar. Thanks for tip jarring also. <gasps> Thank you, and then, boys. and then Donald Nabbity gives one hundred dollars. Crazy amounts of money there. That's the sound I make when I see a crazy amount of money come in. That was great. Haven't been on in a long time, so here's some back pay. I'm excited to watch Darren play The Last of Us. Yes, I feel bad that we're making Darren sully himself in video games has he been watching the the tv series i assume he must have been yes he he's been he's been enjoying it he's he's, he's uh, recapped it for us every week i'll be interested in his perspective for someone who he's, came like the opposite direction that the most of us went yeah yeah he's he's uh he's very much enjoying it he thought episode three which got a lot of hullabaloo was a, was a really really poignant and, and beautiful hour of television bs marsh gives two dollars and says will the half-life run play hunt down the freeman well, how thorough are you planning to be with this? So that's the one that's that's really bad, right? That's a game people yeah. are talking about. I don't. It's a fake game, right? Like it's a fan-made fan game, game that was officially launched somehow, and it's really awful. Maybe maybe we'll do like a little a cheeky little one-off. Well, right, if you're still thing, probably, well, if you're still playing it around April, you could do it as an April Fool thing. That timing might work very well, actually. Ooh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Great idea. Uh, Doran Grossman Naples gives five dollars and says, "Pass the parcel versus hot potato seems like a cogent metaphor for the British and American approaches to imperialism." Cheers. <laughs> is hot potato the same as pass the parcel? Yeah, but you don't. Uh, it's just like you don't get to, you don't get a prize. You just it's just a ball, and you're constantly throwing it at each other, and and whoever has the ball when the timer goes up loses. 
Oh, I, see. I mean, that's pretty much buck passing, I guess. Which... Well, well, it's the opposite of pass the puzzle, isn't it? Because pass the puzzle is whoever's holding it wins. Oh, you want it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is it is buck passing, which is very much an American exceptionalism thing. Connor Stillwell gives ten pounds and says, I don't know if this counts as disaster, but I will never not laugh at how everyone said the Outer Worlds was going to kill Bethesda and that didn't happen. Now nobody cares about that game. Uh I think some people still care about that game and it's getting a sequel. I think people who, enjoyed it. Who was saying it was gonna kill Bethesda? I don't remember. Weirdos. That. Yeah, weirdos. Nothing's gonna kill anything. Except Serial killers. They're, they're going to kill people. Yeah. And Aside from pe that. people who work in the meat industry, presumably, are going to be doing a lot of killing. That's it. Yeah. They're going to be doing a ton of slaughtering. Yeah. That's also true. Andrew White Winter gives $5 and says, Help! This is Nick. I'm speaking to you from inside Kojima's soul capturing device. Kojima is controlling my body. The retweet was a trap. Did you hear the big news that Kojima retweeted Nick? Yeah. I heard about that. Big, I heard, big news. Yeah. I heard some and he people said, who'd been. Nicholas streaming all the Metal Gear Solid games were very disappointed that they didn't get acknowledged at the same time. To be honest, that's real, some real horseshit there. Yeah, but then he said, Nicholas, this is your best friend, Hodeo. Please meet me in this CD alley in Kansas City. And Nick went there and Kojima shoved him inside his soul-stealing machine where he puts all of his famous actors. So, so that's how Nick he does it. That's how he does it, yeah. He probably did that to Al Pacino at the Game Awards. Yeah, shoved that, that old man inside of it. That would explain his performance. <laughs> Uh, Walker02, member for 27 months in early access, says, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Your mum, Walker02. Oh, no. Can you name either of the two teams in the Super Bowl? Um, the Pittsburgh Donkeys. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's the city Nick is from. Do you know where Nick is from? No. <laughs> Kansas City. Oh, okay. that's where Nick's, that's where Nick's soul got taken. By the Soul Machine. It's okay. Kansas City and Philadelphia. Have you been to either of those cities? I went to Philadelphia for a convention once. Mm. I think it was Liberty the game. Bell. I think it was the GameX convention many, 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 many years ago. Gotcha. And I have never been to Kansas City. Okay, you're probably missing out much. Kansas City's featured in this week's episode of The Last of Us, though. It doesn't look nice though because it's apocalyptic. So don't go there. Okay. Well, that's not really a great selling point, isn't it? Our city no. makes a really good apocalypse setting. It makes it, it made a really great apocalypse. They didn't even have to do anything. Yeah. Nick's there in the background just eating a slice of pizza. Great. SVS Guru 2000 gives two pounds and says, hey, the Star Trek MMO is still going strong. Haven't there been like I feel like multiple... going strong is a... I feel like going strong is a, is a strong word. Haven't there for, been more than one Star Trek MMOs? I think so. I haven't heard anyone talk about it. So it probably has like a, a small but passionate fan base, right? Because there were two... Star Wars ones. There was Star Wars Galaxies, and then there was the Old yeah. Republic. And there was the Old Republic, yeah. yeah. Both now dead, basically. Yeah. I think Old Republic fits the way life, maybe. Well, there's know. probably some diehards clinging to it. Why do you want to play any game without an ending? What are we, what are we doing here? Endings are great. Good, good question. Ask the live yeah. service developers. What's going on here? Hunter Roach gives $10 and says, Can't think of anything to add. Thanks for all the content throughout the years. Well, Thank you thanks, so much, Hunter. Hunter. Asus 2000 gives five euros, says they even took ships from the MMO and put them into the recent shows. The new Enterprise in Picard Series 3 is from the MMO. Yeah, I heard that. Right. I heard that uh, the MMO was pretty much the only thing continuing Star Trek canon beyond Voyager and Deep Space Nine. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one way to do it. If you can actually like link it up with that stuff, then then yeah. that's that's because of course, like official Star Trek all went into prequels after that. 
Yeah. So yeah. the only thing continuing the timeline from that point forwards post Dominion War. Yeah, I like Deep Space Nine. Sounds was like the, it. Was the MMO? Yeah. Okay. Bajango gives five dollars and says there was a dude that actually still had his receipt for DNF from back then and received a copy when it came out. I'm surprised the shop was still open, Bajango. Yeah, seriously. I feel like malls kind of like the entire mall industry died in that decade. So yeah, well, I guess 2011 there were probably still a few video game retailers afloat. Yeah, I was still buying physical games then. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that, was, I that said, wasn't before. I... I certainly was. I lived in Australia where the internet was shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, the internet's still kind of shit. I think, like, Amy, or at least where Amy is, she, we need to, like, tell her what game night, what the game night game is the night before. We need, so. when, when she's in Wisconsin, we need her to pack a great big bag of internet to take home with her. Ooh, as a carry-on? Some carry-on yeah. internet? Nick, bring her some of that fiber. Bring her some of that Kansas City fiber. Yeah. Toss it in her bag. Uh, speaking of online games, one of the games we didn't talk about, which is... Uh, I know one of the, in my opinion, one of the famous examples of always online being a complete detriment was uh, SimCity 2013. Oh, I remember reviewing yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Were you able to? <laughs> yeah. Because wasn't it like you couldn't play it for several days because of the always online thing? Even well, if I, you wanted to play single player. I eventually managed to get into a server and yeah. the game was just kind of dog shit. And then uh, City Skylines came out. also kind of killed the franchise, yeah. Yes, City Skylines came out and just made the game that everyone actually wanted from SimCity. And what do you know, everyone liked it. And we just, they just never, they never went back and were like, here's a good version of SimCity, please forgive us. Like, that's kind of insane to me. I just burped while talking. I, I, I heard it. I didn't see you, yeah. but I heard it, and I was like, maybe that was something else. But channeling no, my Rick and Morty thing there. There you go. Oh, no, don't channel that. That's not something you want to channel. I mentioned everyone in my house has had stomach flu last few <laughs> last week or so. Well, I was, you... I had a very harrowing experience on the toilet this morning. If you threw up on a stream, I bet we'd get a bunch of sympathy donations. I don't throw up that much. It's because I'm so tall. Everything finds it hard to get that high. But I do the, have some. The vomit gets tired halfway up. It's like, yeah, we'll just give you a digestion and heartburn. Yeah, I've had. Like, I've just had like dicky tummy all weekend, and it's really only manifested as very traumatic uh, bottom encounters. So if I if I happen to sprint out of the stream and be absent for ten minutes while clutching my bottom, you'll know why. You call it dicky tummy? A dicky tummy. Mm. As that was a, something else. That was something else when I was growing up. But that's when. It was where you, you took your... Yeah, never mind. We don't have to go on. Moving on. I bet you're one of those people who thinks Spotted Dick is a funny name as well. It's a very funny name. It is a very funny name. The Climate Change Barbarian gives six ninety nine CA dollars and says, Middle-aged millennials rejoice. GoldenEye 007 has been re-released. I finished it over the weekend and my God, it has aged. Lots of bullshit <laughs> 90s design. Well, yes. I remember thinking it looked kind of shitty when I was a kid, but then I was into PC gaming at the time, and we were spoiled by games like Half-Life. Yep. Uh, as someone who was only playing on an N64, I thought it was the second coming of Christ himself. Um, and then I went to replay it, and I'm like, no, not for me. Uh, it's insane, though. The Switch version doesn't have dual analog stick support. The Xbox version of the re-release, you could play it like a normal human being plays a shooter, but the Switch version does not have that, which um, seems baffling. All right, then. Connor Stilwell gives five pounds and says, To answer your question, Yahtzee, mostly Sterling. They said Bethesda are obsolete. Because of the Outer Worlds? 
Well, oh, that was premature. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Starfield's going to come out this year and it's going to sell a bajillion copies. So I think Bethesda's fine. And then Elder Scrolls Six is going to come out when we're all dead and it'll also still sell a bajillion copies. Well, it absolutely won't have the impact Hi-Fi Rush had, the other thing Bethesda put out recently. It's, that's true. Uh, that is the opposite, where they revealed Elder Scrolls Six in uh, 2018 and yeah. it will not come out for 10 years after that. So Yeah, interesting contrast of approaches there. Yeah. Mind you, the Another Scrolls game would never be able to just sell itself like that. No. Uh, Captain Loin gives $5 and says, Does Final Fantasy The Spirits Within count? Can't think of many non-game disasters that so negatively affected a gaming company. Yeah, shut down an entire studio and like made people afraid of, of making video game movies and lost the creator of Final Fantasy, his job. So yeah, that's a, that's a massive disaster. And when you go back, the movie's just so like, whatever. Like, it's not a... You know what's, it's not a good movie, but it's not like a disaster movie. You know what's annoying about The Last of Us TV show being really successful is that everyone's going to get the wrong lesson from this. They're going to yeah. say, oh, video game adaptations can work, instead of, oh, transferring something that should have been a TV series all along to TV can work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that just, like, how, how can any time a good thing happens, people inevitably take the wrong lesson from it well people just want to make their money i guess and they think uh, it's worth a gamble and then of course it's usually like you know committee design committees and uh, big money corporations trying to re replicate a success that actually had some humanity to it so they yeah. forget that humanity was the important ingredient <laughs> how do we skirt around the humanity yeah they didn't factor for it in their algorithms. <laughs> Yoda7104 gives $2 and says, Hilarious that RuneScape's still hanging on. 2CE. I don't know what 2CE means. Uchi. I actually don't know what that means. Um, is RuneScape still hanging on? I, like, I know its name. Do people pull, still play? RuneScape? There's a lot I of things that are still have like a hardcore dedicated fans playing from like a single server that the fans keep running out of sheer love of the product for Christ knows what reason. Um, I appreciate what was that, that dedication. What was that game? I, I was watching, as you could probably tell, I was recently watching a few Kickstarter drama videos and there was like a first person shooter that was doing the whole do anything and uh, player driven role play uh, plot factions and it was called something like Face of Mankind. That's what it was called. Okay. And I never heard of it, but apparently it was uh, amazingly popular and uh, there was like a big invasion from 4chan at one point mm. where they were actually able to fight off the invasion somehow with a coordinated effort from the dedicated players. Oh, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah. But uh, then it just sort of fell apart as these things inevitably do. But, but it's still running thanks to like fan-hosted servers because they loved it so much. Yeah, that's like a that's like the the positive side of fandom. Um, I'd never whereas, heard of it. I'm no, neither, neither have I. I'm surprised I hadn't. I, I mean, there's people in chat right now saying RuneScape uh, peaks at a hundred thousand players. Usually, there's like so many games that just have these like pretty strong communities that just I don't yeah. have on my radar. Just because you can only have a finite amount of things on your radar, which is pretty interesting. Same with mobile games. You know, these these that's these why mobile RPGs that are. That's why it's good to attract a niche, I suppose. That's true. That's very true. 
Well, I seem to have run out of super chats. We did it. I'm so proud of us. So we better wrap things up. Uh, thanks for listening. Straight watching, slightly something else. Uh, sponsored by Figurama Collectors that have some Silent Hill 2 thing coming out, which some people might like. Yes, James Sunderland. They're, they're the names of the characters, the official names, James Sunderland, the Red Pyramid thing, mm -hmm. Abstract Daddy, mm -hmm. Flesh Lip, and Lying Figure. Yep, those are the canon names of the monsters. What's your problem? Abstract Daddy? Yeah, uh, the, if you got the original lore book for Silent Hill 2, that's what they were all called. Those are the exact correct names. I don't know what your problem is. Well, don't I sound like an asshole? I do. I, it's me, the asshole. They, they Why do we call him Pyramid Head and not the Red Pyramid Thing? Because Red Pyramid Thing was like the official name, the first thing James Sunderland called him in the game. Although he did mm. call him Pyramid Head later on in the game, the first gotcha. thing he was called was Red Pyramid Thing. So that was his name. What would you have called it? If you were in that situation and you saw that thing, what would you, what would you call it? I would have called him uh, Old Captain Shithead Balls. Yeah. Sounds, sounds perfect. The dude with the thing, with the head thing. That probably happened. would have been a little less coherent than most people would be in that situation because I would be a little bit flustered from all the death and murder. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If I, if I like stumble my way into Silent Hill, I'd probably just kill myself pretty quickly. Yes. Like, I don't want to deal with this. It seems so like a lot. if it was me in that cutscene talking to the Eddie about yeah. Pyramid Head, I would have probably said, hey, you're not friends with that thing with the thing. <laughs> That's what I would have said. I would have, that would have been great. So yes, thank you to our, our friends over at Figurama. Uh, Wesley Thomas gives five Canadian dollars and says, quick, someone post another super chat or we'll have to go back to work. Who oh, tell no. me about it? Wesley Thomas. And the dogmatic director gives two dollars and says, Psych, last minute dono. Oh, you scamps. Scamps, scamps, scamps. Well, I guess we'll get into plugging uh, the rest of our content for the week. I've got my usual zero punctuation review. It's going to be on Forspoken. I'd uh, tune into that one if you like it when I review games I really hate. Oh, no. Spoilers. Sorry. That's fine. Uh, and I have an extra punctuation dropping for everyone, I believe. Yes. Uh, and of course, Sea of Thieves stream on Thursday with Jack and yeah. Nick and Muddy. Hell yeah. And that's all. And the dog. The dog whose name we don't, we haven't named yet. And the dog. And my dog, inevitably, with my jacket. <gasps> oh, little pup. So that's my content. What else we got? Uh, later today, we got two streams for you from 3 to 5 Central, so in two hours from now. Frost and I are going to be back. Another sponsored stream. This guy can't sell out enough. Uh, we're going to be playing Afogato once again. Uh, it, is a, it is a lovely little uh, uh, reverse tower defense weeby coffee shop RPG. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Delightful. Delightful. And then there will be another Hidden Gems tonight. We don't know what they're playing yet. We'll probably figure that out at some point. That'll be fine. Uh, and then just tune in to everything. We got a lot of great, a lot of amazing stuff on the website. Uh, everyone, everyone's just fucking knocking it out of the park out there. You know, you can just you can write words and not put videos to them, and things could do really well. Did you know that? I'm just learning that now. People still read. It's great. So go to the website. Thank you. I love you all. Do you like Toffee's jowls? I haven't my, seen my Toffee's wife, jowls. My wife always compliments Toffee's jowls. Do you think that's an insult? Like, if I if I told someone, if you're on a date with someone and you said you have really nice jowls, do you think they would take that as an insult? You'd probably confuse most people. <laughs> I think. That, that, is, that, that is also true. 
You smell a little bit like sick. Oh no. Yeah, I, I was like cleaning up from a big diarrhea accident yesterday and uh, I'd like th thrown aside uh, a towel I'd been using to clean up and I turned around and fucking Toffee was rolling on it. Classic Toffee. What are you doing, Toffee? Don't lay on that puke. You know how dogs, humans. dogs like to roll in stinky things. For they really do. Dogs are weirdos. What reason. Not our pirate dog. Our pirate dog never would never do that. Anus well, Quiver the third would never do that. Well, I guess that's it from us. Bye, everyone. Bye.